Hi. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Is the I just want to make sure that I did the mic correctly. Is the mic uh, working? Can you, you hear me? Sound lovely. It's all great. great. Thank you. I'm so yeah. excited. Thank you for lighting the candle for me. It makes me feel a lot cozier. I'm. I mean, yeah, it's the least I can do. Welcome to my my home. <laughs> Happy to be there. It looks very much like that. Looks like classic, like uh, when everybody was working from home, like for real lockdown, and everybody was on TV doing their TV jobs. It would be like CNN, and they'd be like. Hi, like welcome. And here's the deal with Syria that you have like a very nice, like corporate friendly. It's very like it's got some depth to it. Honestly, exactly what I was going for. Um, So thank you. Yeah, you nailed it. Yeah. What's up, Rachel? What's up? Um, I'm good. I'm I'm so excited to be here. I'm a I'm a longtime listener. Um, It's pretty chilly. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. I think you started this when I was a senior. That sounds right. 2014. Yeah. And I remember you had like Ashley Gates and, and Sconey. And I was like, I can't believe Sconey's on a podcast talking. He talked <laughs> to me for two hours. It was so weird. Amazing. I, didn't, I did not expect it to go. I thought I might get lucky if I got like a half hour with them. And then we just kept talking. I was like, I'm going to turn it off. Great. Yeah. Um, yeah. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, it's, uh, it's almost Thanksgiving. People mm-hmm. listening to this will probably be experiencing Christmassy time, and uh, when it comes out, by the time it comes out, it'll be like the middle of December. But when we're mm-hmm. recording this, is right before Thanksgiving. Do you give mm-hmm. a shit about Thanksgiving? I it's my favorite food of any of the holidays. Really? I love, yeah, I love like a turkey. I love like a pumpkin. Anything. Yeah. I don't want to take in, I'm, you know, I don't want to down the conversation. I hate it. It's my the least favorite. The holiday itself is we should not be celebrating it f- fully. Um, but yeah, the food is really good. <laughs> well, you mean the notion the of like the colonization stuff? Yeah, that I think we should not. Um, Who celebrates that? Yeah, we don't. We don't. I don't know yeah. like anybody whose Thanksgiving dinner is about like, let's give thanks that pilgrims right. and native american like who the fuck is it nobody is talking about that they talk about that in elementary school and yeah. that's it yeah or it's a very um you know watered down version of the you know actual uh pillage and all of that right kind of stuff. yeah if you're lucky if you're living in a nice <laughs> yeah. progressive inner city yeah um so you've never been on the show before but you've listened to it and i really appreciate that and i'm happy to have you on the show and um I only have one question that I ask everybody. Do you already know what it is? Uh, where are you from? That's right. Great. Great. That's the only question. Where are you from, what do I Rachel get? Brooks? Do I get a Feel prize? You, yeah, you get to answer it. Is what oh, great. You get. Okay. Um, where am I from? I'm from a small suburb called Weston, Florida, which is west of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, where everyone associates either with their grandparents being from there or spring break. So sure. You grew up in like party beach town. (laughs) Um, adjacent, adjacent, not, not in the hub of it, but like a a suburb off to the West. Yes. How was that for you? It was great. Um, I had a very like happy childhood. Um, my community felt like very built in, like we had built in friends, those friends and their kids went to the same school as me and my sister. Um, 
and we would play together and ride bikes and everyone had pools and we'd have pool parties all the time. And sounds like um, middle-class traditional kind of ideal. Yeah. Pretty good. Any major traumas you want to get out of the way now? Yeah. Before we get course, into yeah, the show? For sure. Yes. The big stuff. <laughs> Um, well, I think, um, well, I went to the same private, like college prep school from pre-K through 12th grade. Holy shit. Um, yeah. And so like, that was very, that was like a very intense environment. How do you start prepping for college in (laughs) pre-K? Well, we had, we had uniforms, we had, um, which were funny. I was, I actually just saw a friend from high school and we were talking about how like ridiculous it was that we had to wear these like collared shirts, tucked in belt, khaki shorts. They like polo short uh, shirts. Yep. Like the Lacoste shirt with the, but our school's logo over the. Like, yeah. Logo. Yeah. yeah. Oh. There was a, there was like a private Christian school in my suburb that had that going on. They had the like maroon yep. cheap, not nice looking like polos with a little like, Round Rock Academy of whatever the fuck we right. paid for Christian school school. Right. Yeah. Um, it, and my school's name is university school. Um, and we, we would call it what? U school for short, like the letter U. They named um, it university school. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a little um, redundant. Don't on you the think? nose for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, it, you know, I, th- I loved like, being a part of the theater group there. I did all the shows. Was there um, anything I, thematic about the show, about the school other than it being like a college prep thing? Was it like religious? Was it like arts-based? Was it like... No, no. Most, I, I would say most of the population were were Jews. Um, but when I got to high school, it, it sort of branched out. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't like specific to a religion or, um, Got it. not arts based at all. I, in fact, like I, I was, um, I was, I think I was giving the label of being like the arts kid or like the theater kid. Um, because I think it's like where I excelled and where I worked hard and, um, I did speech and debate. I did thespians. I did all of the like arts-based extracurriculars, all um, that drama dork stuff. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it wasn't like on the same level at all of esteem as if you were like really smart and going to an Ivy league school and like, of course you know, not going to go to M- M- MIT and like cure cancer or something. It was very like, Oh, Rachel's the, the actor. She'll go to drama school. Good luck. See she you has never. a lot of turtlenecks, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So it was something I think both that I like clung to as like an identity, but also like as a defense mechanism of like, this is, I guess this is who I am now. And I have to like only do this one thing, which, um, is ironically not where I am now, but I think right. the very like rigid private school mentality of like, you know, type a goal oriented thinking is just, um, how it was back then. I hope it's not like that now, but, um, but it worked it out. It kind of I, goes well into like, if you're, if you're, at a like type A, very um, uh, particular, you know, uniformed school experience, and you're doing okay at that, but you're also artsy. Like conservatory kind of makes the most sense as like the next thing that you would do. Yeah, I, I knew I wanted to go to a drama school. I knew I wanted to like study classical acting and what you know do the intensive um, 
like just throw myself all into it. Um, but they, my school didn't really understand what that was. And I remember, right. yeah, I, I was like really the first person to, to do that, um, at my high school, um, which was challenging. <laughs> I mean, I didn't really know what I was doing and I only applied to like six drama schools. Um, and luckily it worked out, but I didn't go, I didn't know what unifieds was. I didn't go to unifieds. I just, no, like, I didn't know went, anything about any of that. Yeah. Um, it was a whole world that I just didn't know anything about. And, but you, it, you went straight from high school to school of the arts. Yeah. You figured it out. I was lucky. Yeah. I was lucky. It worked out. Lucky. And yeah. you worked hard. Yeah. That, that too. Both things. You can give yourself <laughs> some credit. That's allowed over here. Yeah. We do that. Thank you. Yeah. It's my mm -hmm. show. It's okay to like, like yourself. And okay. Maybe even go a little <laughs> too far with that shit. It's fine. Don't of worry course. about it. Yeah. Um, do you have siblings? I do. I have an older sister. Haley. She like? She's great. Do you like, do we like Haley? We love Haley. Great. Yeah. We love Haley. I'm sure she's listening. Hi, Haley. Cool. Um, What's up? She... What does she do? So she actually used to work in entertainment. She was an assistant at CAA and then left. Okay. Um, and now she owns her own business, helping people craft their personal stories. So oftentimes when you're applying to like grad school or med school, or, you know, if you're a PR firm and you have to like talk about yourself, it can be hard to like do that. Yeah. Uh, Cause sometimes it's like, you know, you're bragging or you don't know how to talk yourself up. And so she really helps people craft their stories and she's done so well and is an amazing writer and has helped me <laughs> a lot. And, um, she's killing it. And she just moved with her husband to Memphis, Tennessee, which is really, um, sad because they used to live like five blocks away from me in Brooklyn. Um, and now they're, they're not here. So I'm happy for them, but sad for me. Right. A hundred percent. What's the age gap like? Haley's uh, 18 months older than oh, me. Oh, so you guys are like tight, Super tight. close. Mm -hmm. But she sure. was like, so So she, Haley is like brilliant. She went to Penn, super smart. And I'm the younger sibling. And so in high school, it was like, I would have teachers that had Haley. And oh, they would always be like, oh, Rachel, like Haley's sister. Like, so happy you're here. Expect My wife had to you. deal with that shit. She's like 14 months apart from her brother. And uh -huh. so everywhere she went, it was like, oh, you're a little sister. I was like, yeah. It's and I'd be like, we really got to manage our expectations here because. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I'm the funny one. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You're really yeah. going to find me very charming. Yeah. The work will be different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. okay. Yeah. I'm not as smart, but I'm more fun. Just kidding. Haley's really fun. Yeah. No, Haley, if you're listening, you're very smart, but Rachel's more fun. You can't have everything in this life. Okay. Yeah, Husband, Memphis, you got yeah, it going we, on. You're good. We even each other out in, in yes. those, those things. Yeah. Balance is key. Mm -hmm. Um, you're growing up. What are your what is your family unit like? Like what is your family doing during the day? Your parents going to work? Are they you guys millionaires? What's the deal? <laughs> Um, so my parents, um, are, well, my mom on my mom's side, she's third generation jewelry manufacturing. So my parents, okay. uh, my dad ended up going into that business before he was into hospitality and, um, had a restaurant that he owned with his brother and did hotel stuff. So when they got married, my dad ended up going into my mom's family business. Um, and yeah, so they're jewelers, um, my jewelry whole family manufacturing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So they, they, um, you know, do diamonds, they do their, their business was called Fingermate, Um, and they had a, uh, an extra kind of, um, 
thing on your ring open up to go over your knuckles. It was initially for people with arthritis and then huh. it became really popular. So people just started buying it and stores started buying it. And so it would open to go over your knuckle and then close at the bottom of the, of your finger. And then it, it would stay kind of in one, this is not a huh. finger ring, but no, I got, it, it. Would, I got it. it would stay kind of, um, in one spot and it wouldn't like you know what's it called around finger finger mate finger mate finger mate yeah that's very close to finger me which is what i thought you said a couple no, of times not and i was same. like that is a bad name for a product no 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 yeah it was that finger mate it's a different product enunciating the t yes um and key yeah keep doing that yeah. enunciate as much as you can um <laughs> so all right so you guys uh, I mean, selling jewelry and then you got a thing like that everybody likes, like you probably doing pretty good. You grew up like pretty comfortable. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Very, very lucky. Were you aware of that at the time or is that something you figured out later when you met other people who weren't like that? Because I feel like it's usually one or the other. I think I, yeah, I think it took a lot of time uh, to figure that out. And I also think it took not, not living in Weston and not living in Florida. Sure. Um, and I'm going to, to school of the arts and living in Winston was was big because I went from being um, in a community where pretty much everybody was like the same to, you know, the outskirts that like, you know, Winston is like a little seedy and I was living, yeah. um, I was living um, on campus my first year and then I moved into a house. I actually lived in two different houses. Um, and I remember once um, I got a call from Luis Quintero, who I'm sure you know and love. Yeah, and he I was, do. He, he was my neighbor and he called me and he was like, hey, Ray, um, I just got held up at gunpoint. I just want to let yeah. you know, because, um, you know, I don't know if you're coming home or if you are home, but like, don't come home if you're on your way home. And um, there was a lot, you know, there was a lot of like, you know, it was it was uh, both great and eye opening. And, and I'm so glad. And then moving to New York City and Brooklyn, it's like, you know, you're in it. Which do you prefer, the seedier places or do you miss the shiny, safe, uh, comfy suburbs? Um, you know, I loved Winston. Mm, I too. loved Winston and I just visited, um, for the first time after like years of actually since I graduated, I hadn't been back. What um, were you doing? I was visiting Haley and Jake in Memphis and mm. I was like, I think I'm going to stop by school, of the arts before, because it's on the way. It was not on the way. It's but- not really. <laughs> no, I, did, I know that now. There is a way um, to make it on the way. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's what I did. Yeah. Um, and I was so, I sat in on a class on Quinn Gordon's second year acting class, which was like so wonderful. And I was like, I forgot how brilliant he is and how just, you know, these conversations are just so like incredible. And and yeah. I missed, I missed that. Um, That's and, what this show's for. Yeah, truly. Um, yeah, it was, it was amazing being back. And I, sorry, I feel like I'm not answering your question. Your question was, what do you prefer? City sure, but that's okay. You can Oscar. always talk about whatever you want to. I'm not like writing this shit down and publishing it. That's okay. Sure. I mean, I'm publishing it, but I'm not <laughs> right. writing it down uh, or tracking any of it. I did. I asked whether or not you liked um, 
living in the like hustle and bustle of the city and the kind of seediness of it, or if you miss the suburbs and you said you liked Winston was kind of your answer to that, which yeah, sounds like I, you like a mix of both. Yeah. I would say like a, a mix of both. I live in Brooklyn, um, which How I think now? would have both. I moved in January of 2021. So like in, I got a COVID deal. This is a COVID deal apartment. Nice. Um, rent stabilized. Where so. were you before that? I was, um, I was in Harlem with mm. Tej Graham and Emma Factor okay. in a great apartment. And then um, COVID happened. And so we all kind of went our separate ways. And I, my mom lives. She was telling me about that. I saw Emma uh, at a party out here at uh, yeah, she just house moved. or Jasmine's apartment. Yeah. Yeah. I love Emma. Um, and they, so I, my mom actually lives in, in New York um, on the Upper East Side. And so Why? I- Sorry, from from Florida to New York, you don't hear yeah. that a lot. Well, it's a so it's a story. I'm sure I'll, we'll we'll get into. Sure. Um. So basically, my uh my dad uh, has passed away, as a lot of school of the arts people probably know. And um, when I was a first year, my my dad had been sick his whole life, and mm. he had a disease called myelofibrosis. And he was living with it, doing really well, super active, very healthy. It was never a concern for us. And one day, um, things weren't looking great. And so his doctors in Florida suggested that he um, go on this clinical trial at Sloan Kettering in New York on that okay. side. And so- This is a mom, hospital there? Yeah, it's a big hospital on the okay. side of, of New York. So- um, we were really excited about it. Um, we were really optimistic about it. And I was really excited because my mom and dad were like, we're moving to New York for a little bit. And I was like, that's great for me. <laughs> I can't wait to like yeah. come up and see shows and eat at great restaurants. And we were really excited. And so my dad went through, uh, you know, chemotherapy and radiation and a bunch of things. Um, and this is all kind of my first year and beginning of my second year at UNCSA. Sure. And my uh my my first actually my second main stage show was The Memorandum by Václav Havel, Quinn Gordon directed it, and it was like right before Halloween. And my dad had a bone marrow transplant, I think maybe in September or early October. Um and what ended up happening was slowly over time, his body rejected the transplant. Like it recognized mm. that this isn't my body. I'm, I'm not, what am I doing here? And so my dad slowly kind of over time got very weak and ended up passing away the Friday morning of the, the first weekend of our shows for the memorandum. So it's never a good time, but that's pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, my mom, my dad was never planning on coming to see the show. Obviously he was recovering. Um, but my mom and my sister were, so they were, they somehow, already in Winston. No, they were in New York. Got it. They were going to come Saturday, see the shows on Saturday and the Sunday matinee. So they like miraculously get all of the like urgent things to, that needed to be organized, organized, they don't tell anybody. I don't know how they're, you know, I don't know how they're like doing all of this. Um, I think my mom called her brother 
to just be like, do I tell Rachel? Like she is a, she's in a show. Like, I don't want to like ruin this experience for her. And I don't want to not tell her, but like, I just, this is like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And so they decided not to tell me they get on a plane, see the Saturday night show. I have no idea. We go out for drinks after it's like a, it's like a, you know, we're having a blast. They see the Sunday matinee. We're in the lobby after the show, like, you know, talking about it. People are starting to trickle. People are starting to trickle out of the lobby. I think we're about to go out to dinner with like the cast and their families and then go to a cast party. At this point, we're the last people in the lobby. And my mom says, I need to tell you something. And her entire like expression drops. And I know it's, I know it's bad news. I don't know how bad. And so we go out to the little, like that little garden that's in between performance place and the DNP building. Mm -hmm. And she tells me, and I'm like, like I have, I could not process the information. And I remember feeling like, so like just elated from like the show and the show was a lot of different things at one time. Yeah. Like the show, it was like a three and a half hour play and we had worked so hard on it. And I was in a part that really stretched me. And I felt like, like I was doing the work, you know, and like an actor. And I was so, and I'm someone who's like rarely proud of my work and I'm pretty tough on myself. And I remember Mm. just feeling so elated. And then I was given this news that kind of destroyed my, my personal life and my family and, and, and my future. And, and I just didn't know how to reconcile both of them at the same time. And, um, you know, now I know as a therapist and having, you know, knowledge and experience that like both things can be true at the same time. Um, but it was, it was wild. It was a wild, um, you know, experience. And I went home for a week and then I went right back into school and, was there another um, weekend of performances planned for that show or was it just a one weekend thing? Oh, I th- sorry. I Did I say it was two weekends? I think it was the- I didn't. You didn't. I'm asking. I think it was one weekend. Okay. So it wasn't yeah. like you went home and then you came back and had to do the play again? No, no. Got yeah. it. Yeah. Got it. So when you say went home, you went to New York? So um, I actually, we actually- I went to Florida. So okay. the, my, my sister and my mom ended up going straight to New York from Winston to tie up the loose ends here. And to, they, I think they had like a little funeral in New York. Um, and then we had a bigger funeral in Florida. Well, and they like met you down there. Yeah. Got it. And I remember feeling particularly sad that my friends couldn't be at the funeral. Like my school of the arts friends, right. but also my like home friends from Florida were all in college. Right. And, Everybody's gone. Yeah. And I remember walking into the temple and the synagogue and seeing these like two beautiful bouquets of flowers, huge, beautiful. Mm. And, and someone that worked at the temple, like, you know, poked me and was like, these are from your friends from North Carolina. And I like yeah. burst into tears and I, I really felt like everybody there with me in that moment. It was like, you know, I really, um, the amount of support that I got from 
everybody, my, my studio, people older than me, younger than me, the faculty, the larger university, like um, the donors, like I just, it, it was unbelievable. And I think now I'm really able to like recognize it. Sure. But, um, you know, you say that there's no good time, but I'm in some weird way. I feel so deeply grateful to have had that support at that time yes. because it really allowed me to move through it and contain it. And, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm so grateful. I can imagine that you would be. And I think that, um, I have like a million different responses to that for my first response is gratitude for you sharing that story. Um, I think, I think talking to you about your life and what you're up to is kind of hard to do without getting into that at all. Cause obviously it's shaped a lot of what you've, you've spent your twenties doing. (laughs) Um, and we'll get more into that in a second. Um, so, but I want to start by just saying that, you know, you could have easily just like glossed over it and not uh, been vulnerable and shared that with me and everybody else. So I really appreciate that first of all. Yeah. Thank Um, you. Yeah, of course. It's very important. And, um, my second thought on that is, again, I always say on the show, like, we try not to talk too much about, like, oh, when we were at school, it was like this. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about your story. I'm about prefacing the thing I'm about to say. Only because it's esoteric, right? People weren't there when we were there. They don't remember that show or whatever. And being mm-hmm. like, oh, man, it was great when we were in Mary Wives of Windsor or whatever. I mean, people were like, <laughs> who gives a shit? Um but I want to I want to talk about a culture thing because I think this is super important and I think this will probably um segue us into you know your your next steps and what you've been up to very recently because of course I want to get into that um there's a very special thing happening mm. at um at a drama school that has so many credible criticisms about it because it is such a um, severe and um, unorthodox way for people of such a young age to be spending all of their time. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think there's a lot of uh, stuff to be said about things that are not helpful or, you know, not talking about mental health enough or not talking Mm -hmm. about uh, self-care enough or, um, you know, um, asking so much of these 18 year olds, uh, you know, that there's a lot of that, Mm -hmm. but what's on the other side of that. And the reason why that stuff doesn't get talked about is because there's other stuff that's really fucking great. That is so loud that we get distracted by how great that is. And one Mm -hmm. of those things is very present in your story and, and surprises me not at all in that, there would be people in my own class that I never really clicked with as a whole. I never really clicked with like my class. I joined it late. I was a DMP kid and then a director and I had a weird path. Mm-hmm. So I never really clicked, especially with a class like mine that felt like first year, a lot of them just like fucking stuck and liked each other and like had a vibe. And I just came in and it was weird. However, people that I absolutely did not like really get along with at all, if I had a moment like in voice class where something personal came up and I was like weeping 
and mm-hmm. truly vulnerable and broken and dealing with some kind of trauma or some shit that I didn't know was going to come up today. That I'm going to use an extreme uh, bit of language here that I don't really mean, but like that worst enemy mm-hmm. is there rubbing the tension out of my hands from the tetany that's taking over my body. And mm-hmm. they and they're not doing it because they have to, because they're in my class or they're sitting there or Mary told them to or whatever. <laughs> We're all there for each other in this familial way. And when I say familial, I mean like in that, like, I may not even fucking like you. Right. Like you drive me insane. And the fact that I have to spend 14 goddamn hours a day with you, and I know you're going to fucking be there again tomorrow, is like, I, oh my God, just your voice. I can't say, like, you can have these intense feelings like you would for a sibling or a cousin, but if they're in pain, if they are in need, man, I've not encountered a lot. I, my own family, I can't count on as much as I can count on some of the people that I went to school with. And that's weaker now. But while I was in school, mm-hmm. I can't imagine something like that happening. Rachel's terrible. But if something like that had happened to someone in my class, even the ones I didn't click with, mm-hmm. what do we do? Fuck this play. Yeah. Like I'm here to learn and get the experience, all that shit that, you know, your family's trying to save for you. Cause of course that's like why you're there. You don't want to take mm-hmm. that away. You've already lost so much. So to take more from you feels inhumane. Yeah. But man, what a community to be yeah. in, in that moment. Yeah. I'm yeah. So, I'm so grateful that you had that. Because yeah. even those people who fucking, in your own class, who were like, kind of find you a little annoying. We all have those people who feel <laughs> totally. that way about us and we feel that way about them. Yeah. They're like, what the fuck does Rachel need? Yeah. Right? It's yeah. there. And it's- mm-hmm. It is severe and it is, it is, uh, I feel the weight of it and it was like 10 years ago. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I, yeah, I think it is so indicative of who I am today too and what I'm doing and how strong my relationships are with people from UNCSA and, um, and how we continue to show up for each other now. Um, in, in the good times and the bad times, I mean, it really is like a family and, um, yeah, I mean, that's why I think my time at UNCSA is so special for me and so important for me. And I think regardless of going through like a personal tragedy or not, I think all of us have a version of, of that and what that looks like for us. And, and I agree you know, with that. Yeah. yeah. And it's also very, um, it's great to hear it's great to hear that from you who went through what you did and to have that perspective to say like you know I'm not trying to rephrase your own your own words but I feel like sometimes depending on your situation you we we get close and this is probably we'll get into the therapy thing too because this mm-hmm. is fascinating to me my wife's uh, in you know finishing grad mm-hmm. school to be a therapist and we talk about stuff like this all the time there's so many things we say, we should talk about this and we're not talking about this. And we should talk about this more. I agree. There's a lot of stuff on that plate. I feel like one of the reasons why certain things don't get talked about is because you worry, especially with the volume of information and communication that happens in the world. Now you worry that your thing that is very legitimately an issue to you, mm-hmm. if you say it out loud and someone who has a worse issue hears you like, 
you there's guilt associated with yeah. that and hesitancy. You know, it's like you grew up in a very comfortable uh, Florida suburb, not dealing with the kinds of things that you would encounter in Winston Salem or Brooklyn, New York, and it's very easy for you. It would be very easy for you to just um, stay in that bubble and that mindset. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, my, my wife's from Calabasas, same mm. thing. Mm-hmm. So like, if, and anyone listening, it's a very, it's very wealthy suburb outside of Los Angeles, like where Kim Kardashian lives. It's a, it's like famously a really bougie place to grow up. And so when she went to school, she was like, I don't even want to mention that I'm from where I'm from because I don't mm-hmm. want people to get this idea. And then if I have an issue with anything ever, it feels like such easy um, ammunition for someone else to be like, well, what do you know? You grew up in fucking down the street from the Kardashians. Your life mm-hmm. is amazing. Like, yeah, you know, and I feel like, you know, for you to point that out is so important and to say that like we all have our own journey that we're on and we're our own trauma that we're dealing with. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have to compare what you went through versus what someone else went through and one's worse or one's better mm-hmm. or harder or whatever. Yeah. The, the point is it's all there yeah. and it's all, you know, okay to talk. It's okay. Just talk about it. Whatever you're dealing yeah. with relative to you is okay to talk about. Yeah. And you never really know what anyone is going through and, and, um, that can't be said enough. Yeah. And so, I think especially with, with like COVID, um, that was, that was very clear, I think for like everybody and, um, and how, and I just felt like, how, how can we show up? How can we help? How can we be connected in this time where everyone is so disconnected and the world is on fire and all these things are happening. We can't control anything. And if we leave our apartment, we are at risk of getting sick or getting someone that we're around sick. And, you know, it's like, you know, when the stakes are really, really, really high, I feel like, um, the, the, the like instinct to show up and support, and um, no matter you know what anyone is going through or who they are, where they come from, I think is hopefully there. And I I know it's there because I was living in New York City at that time. I did not leave New York during COVID. Um, and just the, like even the people that lived in my apartment building were like, "Do you need me to go get groceries for you? Are you yeah. are you in quarantine?" Like showing up for people um, is is enough. And I had that at school and I, I think we, as New York did that for each other. And, um, I hope that that continues even when we're not in a pandemic and we're not going through tragedy and we can, we can all together kind of. It'll come and go. I think. Yeah. I think it get. I think that, that instinct goes up and it goes down. You know, I didn't live in New York, uh, during nine 11, but I moved mm-hmm. there not long after when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I kind of missed the wave of it, but all the stories that I heard from everybody was like, you could not have like in the, in the like six months after nine 11 in New York city, you could not have been felt more like you were a part of a community that was willing to help each other out no matter what the fuck it was. Everybody was yeah. like almost overly nice to anyone you met anywhere. It's like, Hey, how you doing? Everybody good. Do you need anything that just kind of happened? And then, you know, it wore off and then yeah, of more course. trauma happens and it brings yeah. us close together and we kind of bounce back and forth. 
Yeah. Um, so let me go back in your story a little bit. Cause I have, mm-hmm. I have a couple of follow-up things there. So your, your pops passes away when you're a junior. Yes. In the fall. fall. Yeah. So you got a year and a half left of the <laughs> hardest part of this program. Yeah. So what, what's going on in your head when you are obviously still grieving, but you're past the funeral, you're back mm-hmm. at school, you're work, you've got classes, you've got projects, you've got things to be focused on. Is it changing the way that you are thinking about, about your trajectory? I imagine it would change a myriad of things, but like, you're mm-hmm. like, you know, my, uh, again, I compare my wife's, uh, experience with her conservatory training is she went to, uh, San, San Francisco, uh, conservatory of music. And while mm. she was there, her, uh, mom got cancer mm. and she's, um, in remission still, but, um, there was a big question for her with like, do I even finish this? My family needs me or do they, or what do I do? Like, are you dealing yeah. with that? Um, so uh, when I, when I came back to school after the funeral, the faculty, I had a meeting with Carl Forsman, who was the dean. Great. Um, and he was basically like, we're here for you, whatever you need. Um, the only other thing I had that semester was like a stage combat demo because sure. my, sh- my show had I finished play. the show, the sword play. Yeah. And so Carl was like, we would love it if you feel up to it to do the sword play, um, you know, demo, if you don't, it's fine. You can do it next year with the class underneath you. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I was in a mindset where I was like, of course I'm going to do the sword play. Like, you know, I'm, I'm a dedicated actress and I'm going to show up every day and, and, and be on point. And I was very like, you know, just, I got to do what I got to do. Um, and they kept me really busy. Like, and I don't think it was to distract me. I think it was to just provide safe spaces for me to, um, to feel like I could really have catharsis and, and experience and like, you know, and, and so I was like constantly in a show, um, we were doing keys to the kingdom, which is, Mm -hmm. did you start that? Kind of. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I kind of started it. We did, um, when we did how I learned to drive, which was my fourth year directing project. How? Yeah, of course. That was the first play that was done in that space. Yeah. And it was like a trial run to see if you could do plays in there. Right. And right. like how that would work. And I ended up directing other stuff in there too later. But um, how I learned to drive was so good. I remember thank it you. so clearly. Anyway, it's still one of so, my favorite things I've I've ever done. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, so th- I was doing Keys to the Kingdom. I I I was in like I, I I was very busy and um I think I like fed off of that. Hmm. And what was happening in real time, which I didn't see in the moment was, as you said, my relationship to the work that I was doing fundamentally changed. And it wasn't just, this is my craft. I'm an actor. This is my training. Um, it was, it was healing. It was cathartic. Um, you know, there's an undeniable mind body connection, which we'll get into later, scientifically proven. Um, and I was feeling all of those things happening and I think it took me a long time to put the pieces together and be like, maybe there's something more here. Maybe, you know, I need to show up to this change that has happened in my life and maybe denying it and trying to push through it and be 
just an actor is actually inauthentic to me. Mm. Um, that came much later. I think that came when I was like, had graduated, had gotten into therapy in New York, had really changed my lifestyle. Um, because I, I didn't, I wasn't in therapy at school, um, which was my choice. And I, I think that I always, you know, I'm, I'm someone who, um, believes therapy is, is a choice and, and we take consent very seriously. And sometimes people go to therapy for their weekly tune-up. Sometimes an event happens in their lives and that, that inspires them to go to therapy. Um, sometimes they need direction, um, but it should be up to them. And I was not in a place at school where I had the time or wanted to do it. So when I graduated, um, it was very clear to me that I needed to prioritize my mental and physical health. And so I really um, did that. And I think the fourth year of like the business of acting and the sort of like casting directors coming in, you know, it wasn't that I didn't care about it, but it was very clearly not something that I felt was my priority or where I should be investing all of my time. Mm. Um, because I knew that when I graduated, I needed to like show up for myself. Um, so yeah, I mean, and I got an agent from showcase and I did the thing and, you know, but I remember thinking like, I'm going to run out of steam if I don't, if I don't really start to nourish myself in these ways. I'm so um, glad you had that self-awareness. Yeah. Like, I don't know. That's a, do you get that? That's a fucking huge deal. <laughs> um, like we were talking earlier about giving you credit for things like that's great. Rachel, that's huge. I, I think that I, I've been doing this I, show a long time. <laughs> I, I think that, we can surprise ourselves with, with our resilience or whatever the word is. I think we can surprise sure. ourselves with what we know in our gut to be true and following that. And I, you know, as we kind of talked about before, I never had something happen to me where I really had to follow my gut in this way. I never mm. had like a big, you know, tragedy or life moment or um, where it forced me to like find ways to show up for myself. Right. And put in the work because it is work. Therapy is work. It takes work to change your life. It takes work to better yourself. It is like you go to the gym to work out and, right. gain, you know, it's the same kind of dedication and consistency. And, um, yeah. And it was just very clear to me that I like had to, because if I didn't, then I would just be really unhappy and really unhealthy. Well, I'm really glad that it was so obvious to you. It is not obvious to lots of people um, (laughs) who face a similar trajectory uh, out of this program that we both, you know, were in where there is an expectation on oneself to keep going and to do Mm -hmm. more and to do better and to get this and to get this place and all, you know, there's so much and for you to to you know and what i'm really hearing you say too which i i try to tell people all the time on this show and and in my life just working with other creative people which is like you take in everything that everybody says mm-hmm. but then yeah. check it against like you know you mm-hmm. nobody knows you better than you yeah and if everyone's like 
if you don't go 80 fucking hours a week on this thing, then you don't really give a shit. Yeah. It's like, okay, but for you, yeah, not everybody is going to face that the same way. And that self-awareness is so crucial and giving yourself time and saying like, you know what? This shit isn't going anywhere. I just spent fucking 10, 15 years of my life dedicated to learning how to juggle. And now I know how to juggle motherfucker. And if it comes up again, I will be able to do it. Like, and if I need to take five years off and go sleep in the fucking cave and condition my hair and, and it takes five years to get all that done. And then I come back and I start juggling again. It's my timeline. Fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. And something I talk about in in therapy a lot is like change and when it shows up in in our lives and we have no control over that. And, and what do we do? Like, do we deny, avoid, pretend it's not happening? Um, try to live in ignorance, try to keep going, run out of steam, or do we sit in the discomfort of it and I don't know, have a conversation with it, allow it to open us up to, to new, you know, um, possibilities and opportunities. Um, you know, how do we choose to show up when something happens to us? And, um, that I think is for anyone to answer on their own terms. But for me, it was like a very clear answer, um, that led me to, to, discover how my love for acting and theater and the arts could, could really help people heal and, and understand like the complexities of their, their trauma or their experience. And it's been like really, um, I mean, it's been hard, but like pretty empowering too. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. Let's talk about the transition. So you went to college for acting, correct, Rachel? (laughs) Uh, yeah, I think so. Yes. Okay. And you, you, you enjoy acting. Yeah. And you, you did it when you got out of college and you still do it now. You're an actor right now. I am. Yep. Great. But you Mm -hmm. are also now licensed. Are you licensed as a pre-licensed? I have my pre-licensed. Yes. I have my, tell everybody what that means. How did you get where you are and where are you standing right now, darling? Okay. So I, um, I went to grad school during COVID. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I went to NYU. I, uh, applied on a whim, really not thinking it was going to happen. Um, ended up getting in to my shock in February of 2020. So you can imagine what that was like. That's pretty and cool, man. Then, yeah, it was grad school is very difficult. Um, but I'm really glad I did it, but it was really, really hard. Um, graduated last spring and congratulations. Um, thank you. And what is your, de- what is your graduate degree in? I have a master's in drama therapy. Okay. What the yeah. hell is that? Drama therapy. Yeah. So it's exactly as it sounds. It is psychotherapy that utilizes the various, you know, tenants and techniques of drama, um, so that could be embodying a character. It can be, you know, text work. It can be using props in the space. Sometimes we're making masks. Um, a lot of the this link later is using work. acting for therapy, not yeah. just therapy for actors. Yes. Yes. So I, I actually see, I see a few actors. Um, yeah. And so it, it's, the purpose is to use these tenets of drama to achieve psychological growth and change okay. in therapy. So, you know, I, I work with kids. I work with adults. I work with actors. I work with people who are not actors. Um, 
it, it, it's there's no one size fits all approach to it. And what leads somebody to find you over a traditional like, uh, you know, family therapist who's got their. I'm still struggling with the acronyms that these fucking the, health workers deal with. Yeah. It's a lot of LCSW. shit. LCSW. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it, so that's it social be, work, licenses of social work. Yeah. SW. Uh-huh. So that, and then there's the other one that's the uh, Marriage LMFT. and family counseling. Yeah. 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 There's marriage and family. There's um, mental health counseling. There's like a bunch of them. How does um, someone end up with you in your office or virtually whatever? How, like, how do they end up in your care as opposed to just seeing like one of those other things we just said? So sometimes people are specifically wanting a creative arts therapist. Okay. So they'll come because of that. Um, I work at a fantastic group practice called Dwellness. And wellness, wellness. Yeah. It's wellness in your dwelling. So we come to your home. We do, um, yeah, we do in-person therapy. I have like a standing central park, uh, appointments on Tuesdays, which is like so amazing doing therapy in the park. Um, we also do virtual therapy. It's very, um, flexible for, for for the client. Um, yeah. And so, um, yeah, I you know, dwellness we have we have multiple uh therapists. We have creative arts therapists, we have marriage and family, we have social workers. It's really just like, you know, you kind of pick which one you want to um work with. But um, you know, sometimes I'm not doing drama therapy with my clients. Like I've had clients in the past that like don't want to do it, which is totally fine and we just do talk therapy or CBT and you know, my um what is CBT? Cognitive behavioral therapy. Okay. Yeah. What does that mean? Um, it's just using sort of the thought processes in your brain to help the behaviors um, of your of your life. And um, I'm Got sure it. your wife knows more about it. Um, she No, she does 100%. Yeah. And I know about some of this stuff, but I know – here's what I also know. And you're, you're only proving my point and don't take it in the wrong way. But the m- more deep that people I know, I also have another friend I grew up with in high school. Who's like one of my oldest friends. Her name's Lauren. Um, she's, she got really into being a therapist and then she got into, uh, like neuro-linguistic programming and, Mm -hmm. um, all these different things. And one of the things that happens with you so far, ladies, but you lovely people who get involved in this shit you learn all of these acronyms and all of these <laughs> terms, and then you just start talking about it like everyone else knows that is what true. it is. Well, everyone, you know what, Rob? Everyone I that. know who does this does the same thing. So all I'm trying to do is just make sure the listeners are following what, what the hell about. we're talking about. That's so all. in grad school, that was my literal cross to bear was having zero psychology education. I never right? took a psych class. Yeah, my wife too. She's a singer. Right. I, we, I got to talk to her. I'm yeah, sure you, know, you guys got to connect. Like, You'll have a lot. Yeah. And, and really, I didn't, I didn't know what the DSM five was. Do you know what that right. is? Yeah. You do? That's okay. The, it's the list of all the ways you can be crazy. My wife says I'm not supposed to call it that. <laughs> You're but. right. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, it's how we diagnose people. Essentially. Exactly. Um, so I, I had no idea what they were talking about. And, um, it was, I felt behind the entire time. I had no I'm idea. Sure. It was like, um, the and mad imposter syndrome for the first like half, oh, right? The, no, the whole time, the whole, <laughs> the time. whole time, because also with COVID, it was like, there was so much lost in communication too, just being online sure. and like 
you know, I not going into office hours for extra help and like all of these things. So, um, I totally get it. And I, and it it was like my whole grad school experience being like, what, what is that? What is that abbreviation? Like, what is that acronym? I don't know what you're talking about. It's so much. And I, I don't know if you know this, and this is a fun thing for people listening, but do you, you know what an acrostic is? No. Okay. This blew my mind. Other podcasts that I do with my wife and my roommate, we figured this out. I thought he was fucking with me. My roommate was like, well, is it an acronym or is it an acrostic? And I was like, what the fuck is that? You just made that up. What is an acrostic? That sounds like cross stitch. I'm like, are we sewing? And he's like, no, no, no. An acrostic and an acronym, one of them is the word and one of them is just the letters. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? So here's the thing. Um, An acronym is, I want to make sure I get this right. I'm going to even look it up so I'm not an idiot. Mm -hmm. But an acronym is the one that doesn't make a word. Mm -hmm. So like if you have a PhD, right? Yeah. Oh no, see, he he, I think he got these backwards. Yes, the ones, uh, see, this is what I told him. He got this backwards. This is how it works. An acronym is the one that forms a word. Right, So SCUBA. Right, self-contained underwater breathing Which I apparatus. Am a scuba diver. See, you have all of them. Yeah, yeah. So these are these are be. all the different <laughs> kinds of letters that Rachel has. Yeah. So you you have an acronym in that you can do scuba, <laughs> but your what's your what are your letters after your mental it, well, health now, title? So now it's going to be Rachel Brooks, comma M A, comma L C A T, hyphen L P, comma scuba. Yeah, yeah, please add the scuba. Yeah, I got that. Is so crucial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But see, but you say L C A T. You don't say L cat. Yeah. Well, if it was L cat, it would be an acronym. But because (laughs) it's, but if you normally would say like uh, MSW or uh, you know, if you just say L C A T, that's an acrostic. And Mm. a lot of times people will be like, "Oh, PhD is an acronym." It's not. Right. It's an acrostic, and then the acronym is the one that makes a word, like shield. Sure. Yeah. I guess it, uh, yeah, well, because it's licensed creative arts therapist. Right. So it's, yeah. But you don't say LCAT, because that sounds like you're taking a test to be a and cat a, or something. Yeah, and I'm a dog person anyway. Yeah, so. exactly. So yeah. it doesn't have anything to do with you. This yeah, is I'm allergic to cats. L-C-A-T, me too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So much Amazing. in common. Yeah. Um, okay, so what... What made, what was the like thing that made you go, I'm going to go do this? Did you have a moment? Did you have a bad rehearsal? Did you cry (laughs) alone and decide that you have to help? Could you imagine that it was like, I, you know, had a bad rehearsal and was like, I'm giving up being an actor. Um, You know what my, one of my dreams is, is I've always wanted in general, I like to see people quit at work. You don't get to see it a lot. Yeah. I feel like it's. Favorite things ever is to watch someone at work go, no, I'm, this is it. (laughs) And my hope is always that they're abandoning a career. Like I'm seeing the day that like 15 years, they're like, I can't, I'm not stripping anymore. I can't handle this. It feels like a very, like, it's a thing that you see in movies, but not real life. Yeah, but you don't get to see it. I've seen it a couple of times in my life, but it's, it is one of my dreams. So I'm, I'm imagining you doing that. You're in rehearsal, (sighs) you fuck a lineup or you do the blocking wrong. And you're like, that's it. I need therapy. You know what? I'm, I'm giving therapy. 
I, I wish that was how it happened. Um, it's it, the real, the real story is not as exciting, but essentially I, um, yeah, I think it was just, I think it was a, a decision that was slowly happening over time. Mm. Um, I really was just like looking forward ahead, you know, of my life. And I was like, I don't really have a direction. And I'm, what made you feel that you were in a new city that you like doing a thing yeah. that makes you happy, but. Well, I think it's, I think it's what we were talking about before in that, like I, I had really changed as a human being. Mm. Um, and I don't think that my, I don't think that my mind had caught up to like how I was feeling about, about everything. Um, in the sense of like, I didn't think that I could actually do this for work, like oh. do the sort of like Mary, not that what I'm doing is like Mary Irwin and, and Linklater or Alexander, but like, um, the thing that I got from school was like those, those classes where we all were going through something together or yeah. the work was healing and cathartic and vital. And I missed whatever that was. I didn't know what that thing was. And upon really just doing a lot of work on myself and putting those pieces together, I realized like that, that is the, un that is the authentic, um, experience for me that I want to do in some professional and personal way. Yeah, um, yeah. and so like, how do, how, how do I do that? Um, and so my therapist at the time was actually an art therapist. She was a, a dance therapist. Um, and we, we didn't do like dance therapy together, but we did a lot of like embodied work together. And that was really big for me. A lot of voice work too, um, breath work. Um, and the more and more I researched it and drama therapy, the more and more I felt like I was already connected to it and could simultaneously do that while still pursue acting and, and creating work with my friends in New York. And it felt very one in the same to me. And so, um, I, I, you know, I, I really just like applied on a whim to NYU. NYU is the only program in New York city that offers drama therapy. Um, so I was like, if I don't get into NYU, like, I'm not going to pursue this thing. Um, and I, did, I really didn't think I was going to get in. So I didn't, I didn't seriously like think that it was going to be a real possibility. Um, it's kind of like when Donald Trump ran for president and then oh, you actually no. got elected. <laughs> he just was like, um, the running is the thing that I'm kind of, I don't know, maybe. And then, <sighs> and then he got God. picked and you're yeah. like, I have to do this now. Holy well, shit. I was, I was, I was excited <laughs> at doing it until COVID. And sure. then I was like, yeah. how am I going to do this? Rachel, that's um, fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was very, <laughs> um, it was very weird. It was a very weird time. Yeah. That is so insane. Yeah. Yeah. Like that you just, you, you it's not like you put a few years into making a plan to do, you were like, you know, I think. This is where I go, but you're so, you seem so like passionate and happy and like you totally dig doing this. You know, what's cool. I feel like, um, since I found school of the arts and, uh, you know, was happy there and, and liked my education and stuff like that. And it's such a dog shit experience growing up like K through 12 in public school. Mm. I've always since school preached the like, don't 
like we should be giving more specialized education to kids younger. Like once they start mm-hmm. gravitating towards something, like let's stop, let's start making the really artsy kids take chemistry and like let, let them <laughs> off the hook. Like yeah. just let them not worry about some of this other shit. They're not numbers kids. Some of these kids aren't numbers yeah. kids. They're like not dancers. a numbers kid. Not yeah, a numbers me kid. either. You're no. like just let them do other shit. They're funny. They're really funny. Stop mm-hmm. making them do math. There's other kids yeah. that are good at math. Let them do math. They're not right. funny. It's right. fine. It's a good balance. So I've been saying that for a long time. And then every now and then I get people who push back. And a lot of my friends who are like high school teachers will tell me this. They're like, liberal arts is so important because you get to experiment with so many different things and you get so much exposure to different subjects. And it's sometimes you don't know what you like or what you're good at yet. So then you get a Mm -hmm. chance to try on a bunch of shit. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, trying on a bunch of shit is fun, but it's usually free. Mm-hmm. Like when you yeah. go to the store and you try on a bunch of shit, it doesn't cost you like $600. Like, you know, and liberal arts university is expensive as shit anywhere you go, whether it's, you know, something like NYU or it's yeah. something else, like, you know, even more uh, moderately priced. It's still like five figures, like a semester. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, you're dealing with so much. I argue that a more focused education still has the potential if you kind of have that attitude as you teach it. What I mean by that is you think about all the people who went to school of the arts with us just while we were there and they went there because they're an, they're an actor, right? They got into the mm-hmm. acting program because they're in high school acting in plays, whatever. Mm-hmm. But then they get out of school and even though the whole time they're there, they're like, I'm going to be an actor. And then when I graduate, I'm going to get an agent and I'm going to go be an actor and I'm going to act. That's my thing, acting, acting, acting. But then you have people who become drama therapists. You have people who become uh, stunt coordinators. You have people who become reality TV producers. You have people who do all- by the way. You do all these like different things that none of us thought we were training to do, but we fucking were training to do it. Yeah, 100%. Literally, one of my first jobs in LA- I was like, oh no, I'm not going to know how to do anything because I have, I didn't go to film school. And then my first job on Dancing with the Stars is like, hey, can you sit next to another person and take notes on these people dancing? And I was like, I went to college for that. <laughs> like I literally yeah. spent how many musicals sitting next to like John Langs and these people like taking their notes, talking about, oh, they didn't fucking do the dance right or whatever. Like, right, right, right. Perfect. I was like perfectly yeah. programmed and trained for a job and I had no idea. And you, I don't want to be crass in saying this, but you had this traumatic experience in the middle of your time studying drama. Mm-hmm. It kind of fucking makes sense and programmed you In this way that says, like, I now recognize the connection between this work and this need, Mm -hmm. and I want to push those two things together and help as many people as I can who are going through traumas and other struggles in life. And you didn't go to a liberal arts school and try on a bunch of stuff, but you're also not like, I'm an actor and that's what I do is I act and it's the only thing I care about and if I don't do that, I'm Mm -hmm. a failure. Mm-hmm. You you went to a conservatory, but then you still found a, an adjacent thing that like brings you joy and gives you purpose. And it's fucking cool, man. 
Yeah. I mean, I could have never foreseen doing this ever. Like I, I, I mean, you know, it's like, Same. I never thought in a million years, this is what I would be doing. Um, but again, it's really just like showing up to your life as it happens to you. And, and I'm glad and, you're open to it. You didn't shut it down and go, I can't do that shit. I'm an actor. Well, I think I did for a long, I think I, I did. did you? For, I think that, um, maybe at school I did when it happened because that's where I, I mean, that's literally where I was and it's all I had kind of, yeah. you know? And so I think I adapted the mindset of, I have to do this. Like, right. This yeah, but that's is school. Like, that's not you. Right. But I think, at, you know, when you're in school, it is you, or at least that's how it felt for me was like, They don't you give know, you any choices. They're not like, oh, and by the way, when you get out, if you want to be a drama therapist. They're not, well, they're not giving you that to think about. And yeah. guy, you know, it's a liberal arts school is going, maybe you want to try all these different things. School of the arts is like, no, when you graduate, you're going to go fucking go to showcase and get an agent and make us proud, son. Well, like I, that, I will say when I, vibe. I'm very, I'm very close with Quinn Gordon and I'm very mm. close with Mary Irwin. Mary, Mary actually read my thesis for me. Oh, great. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. Um, cause it was all about like Alexander technique and link later technique and implementing it into to therapy. And she was very helpful and I love that. That makes sense. Um, but She's I remember the best. the best I called Quinn when I was like applying because I needed a letter of recommendation from him. Sure. And I was like, I hope that you are not mad at me. And I hope that you think that, I hope that you don't think that I'm quitting. Acting. What? But I, yeah, but I think I'm going to apply to this program and do this so thing. Deep. And I really want your support and I need a letter from you. And like, what do you think? Like, I was like, also like, what do you think about this? Cause it's and so he was like, weird. This is great. And, and he was like, yeah, he was so supportive. And he was like, Rachel, like you went to drama school. You understand the human experience. You understand nice. relationships. You understand, you know, um, like how the mirror is held up through theater and what it's telling us about, you know, humanity and like just had a, you know, and I was like, of course, I was like, I guess you're right. Like, okay, thank you. Know, I'm glad he was there to give you that perspective because yeah, I have to say, I'm going to be by episode fucking 200 of at the elephants. I'm going to be screaming at everybody. Like your worth and your value is not yeah. tied to your linear idea of success in this one craft that right. can go all over the place. I mean, I've yeah. been, I've been listening to people talk about this for 80 goddamn interviews now, and I'm not tired of it because I, it gets me excited. Cause I'm so, I'm so fired up about the truth of it, Rachel. Yeah. I love this for I, you. I think it's something that we all have to experience in our own way, in our own yes. time. And it's something that is so much easier said than done. And it's like puberty. It, it's totally like puberty. And I think having some distance from it too is helpful. Like going back to school and visiting and being in that environment, I didn't know how I was going to feel about it. Mm. And I went with like no expectations. I went really open. Smart. Um, I went also like being proud of like who I am as a human being. I was like, I, I, I worked really hard post UNCSA and I'm doing something I'm proud of and I'm doing something that I think matters to me. And, you know, it doesn't matter to me how that's perceived when I walk in this building and when I meet these wonderful students who are so passionate and so talented and, 
And um, because I think that's like the stigma, right? Is like you you graduate and you do anything else and you're, you know, you've quit or you're a failure or like whatever. And I think so many of us know within us and our experience, like that's not true. But when you're in the bubble of school, it can be kind of hard to like see that. Do you know who I'm going to, I don't want to give myself too much credit here, but there's a lot more people who have this experience too. Do you know who doesn't have that problem as much in all my time talking with people about this? No. Who? The people who did not go straight from high school to college. Oh yeah. Because they already went through it. They yeah. had their mini crisis where they're like, I quit. I don't know where I'm going. Or I went to this other school and I hated it. Or I'm dropping out of college altogether. Or I'm gonna... like, it's the people who have that momentum yeah. out of high school. And then they just like leap. Oh, scary in the air for like one summer. And then they land <laughs> at school, the arts fucking great program. And then they're like, I'll just look, everybody else is the best. So yeah. I'm the best and we're the best. And then we get to New York. We're going to be the best together. Right. And it's like, you get so blinded by how fast you're going and you miss the forest for the trees a little bit. Exactly. I don't mean to be patronizing, but I've just been talking to people about this yeah. shit for fucking 10 years. Yeah. And it's like, it's, I, you're right. You can't give it to anybody. It's like when you're talking to, you know, anyone who's younger than you about something they haven't gone through or like parents talking to people about mm-hmm. kids when they haven't had kids. It's like, you just don't really know till you go through it. But I, there are so many things in this life I wish I could distill down to a fucking Harry Potter vial and just hand them mm. out and have people yeah. just swig it and go like, oh, right. Like, who cares? That's, I mean, that sounds like a drama therapy intervention we would do. Right. You know, it's like, this is a magic pill that you can take. And and what, you know, what happens well, to you when you take this? My version of that is yeah. just making this show. Totally. It is. It's like, this is the thing. I mean, I can't, I can, all I can do is have a different couple people scream it at you every week. That's, you know, and then if we take a couple years off, we'll come back, we'll start screaming at you again, which is like the, and the number one thing that I heard at school from guest artists really. And we, Mm -hmm. and then most people didn't hear it. And I think not being an actor helps. Like when you're a Mm -hmm. director, it's different because you know, when you graduate, no one's going to hire you. Mm-hmm. That's the big difference. All the actors are like, I could just be on television next year. And the directors yeah. are like, no one no one cares what a 24-year-old fucking dude out of undergrad cares to say about anything. Like, we'd right. be lucky if you let me take notes. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're already ready to not leap off into, you know, a version of success. But there is, I watched people say it over and over when they came to school, which was like, don't let anybody tell you whether or not you can be an actor or an Mm -hmm. artist of any kind, like whatever it is. And I feel like what a lot of people heard when they said that was like, if a casting director or an agent is like, you're ugly or you're not talented or you're whatever the fuck, don't believe them. Right. But that's not the only person who can tell you not to be an actor. The other person who can tell you not to be an actor is like your parents who are like, well, I don't know. You've been trying for three years and you haven't really landed anything big. So mm-hmm. maybe a little bit. Or what about just not booking anything for a while? That's a thing mm-hmm. telling you you're right. not going to be an actor. And it's like, no, none of that gets mm-hmm. to tell you that you don't get to do this if you yeah. want to do it. Mm-hmm. And whether or not you ever pay all your bills doing it, is also a different conversation than do you get to do it? Yeah. Like, I love doing stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. I decided years ago, several years into doing it, 
I don't ever want to be a full-on professional stand-up comic as a job. Yeah. I don't, I'm not interested in that life. I did the same thing with acting. Uh-huh. Like I don't, I don't like the journey of that life. Yeah. I just like the activity. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't want to be a musician, yeah. but I like playing the guitar. Totally. And there's, I think that's the problem is that we should look at more things like that, which is like, even if you go to one of the best schools in the world for something, you walk out of it, you're just someone else who knows how to do it. <laughs> right. That's all. Yeah. You're not like entitled to anything or like there's no expectation. No one really cares if yeah. you do that or not. And there's like, there's like a freedom, I think, in that too, that allows you to to try other things and 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 not feel like your your life kind of like depends on it working yeah. out. It doesn't. Yeah. And there's so much in life that is so fulfilling and so great that it's like you're not going to have room to do all of it. There's going to be more shit. If you're really paying attention, I really believe this. This is kind of an epiphany for me. If you're really paying attention, there is more cool shit to do in this life than you have time to do. Mm Mm-hmm. That's just a fact. That's beautiful, Rob. Yeah. I there love is. That. So do as much as you can and don't beat mm-hmm. yourself up if you're like, ooh, I'm not giving this a hundred percent. Well, fuck, maybe this thing deserves 15%. It's pretty yeah. dope. We this reminds me of uh, something I a warm-up I usually do, which is called the spectrum gram. And it's just assessing where you are on the spectrum of anything on any given day. Nice. I like this. And Go on. um yeah, it's just like an it's like a nice self-assessment tool to to start your day. Like give me an example. Where, like like where am I on the spectrum of balance today? From from zero to a hundred. Hundred mm. being the most balanced, zero being the least. Okay. And then how wherever I fall on that, how can that then inform how I want to find balance throughout my day or my week or you know, and what to do and and how to show up for myself with that. Do you normally do zero out of a hundred? Um, no, sometimes it's like zero to 10, 15, 20. It's, I'm you know. curious if you go a hundred, how many people are picking single digit? They're like 64, no 67. Well, sometimes like we the degrees of it. Yeah. Sometimes I do it. Um, like in the room, if we're in a room, we'll go to a place, like one side of the room will represent one side. The other oh. will be the opposite. Sometimes, Stand where you like plot yeah. yourself on the graph of X, exactly. Y, Z. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And then sometimes we're drawing it. And then like, you know, sometimes if we're, if we're like in the park, it'll be like that tree is this, that the pond is, you know, that. So there, there are different ways of doing it, but I I think it's a good way to like, you know, have some, some awareness with that. And then be able to- I love the way you light up when you talk about this shit. (laughs) You get so like, there's so much joy. Like, yeah, your smile wants to like pop off your face. You look so happy when you talk about this stuff. That means, that means you're doing the right shit with your time, you know, with your life. Yeah. I mean, I definitely feel like it's work which is good. I, I don't yes. feel like it's like, it's hard. It's work. It's, it's a lot of, and I deeply care about everybody that I work with and, um, but it's very motivating, you know, it's like, it's like, I, I want to show up and I want to be in relationship with people and I want to bear witness to, to them and their process and their life and their whatever, like whatever it is they're bringing in. Yeah. Um, and there are some days where I feel like, 
it didn't go great. And then there are other days where I, I was like, sure. I'm the best, like, you know, and, and it's yeah. like, it's a, and I'm getting to be creative with it. I'm getting to act. I'm getting to embody things and improvise and, and do a lot of the stuff we did at school just in a different way. Um, and I just feel like it's, it's like, I'm constantly getting to, to, um, surprise myself with, with how to be creative and how to use this thing that we all love so much in a way that is intentional and, um, to help frame something or support somebody. So like, that's really cool. And I think we all do that on some level with our work, like, you know, reality television is such a good example of that because it's like, that is during COVID. That was like my escape. Like I would watch the real housewives. I would watch, um, what else? Like the bachelor. I mean, I, I, you know, and it was like, I was like, where am I? Oh, I'm on an Island. Oh, I'm like, you know, with really rich women and we're fighting and it's hilarious. And, and like, I needed that. I needed that. Yeah. And so we, again, like we all, we all are doing that in our own ways and it's so cool to see. And, um, something that I just want to like tie back into is like this, this work ethic and this passion that is very unique to, I think people who have gone to UNCSA, um, like that is something that is so clear to me too, is like, we, we know how to like show up, put in the work, put in the passion and, um, in, in anything, not just what we were training to do, but in, in our, in our professional lives and our personal lives, um, in what we are creating this podcast, you know? And so like, that's just a joy to see from everybody and to, to be a part of, you know? It also is tough. I think for a lot of people to watch and feel like they are held to that standard of creation. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, there are always the people at school who, when it came time for the winter and it was like intensive arts, they're like in like six things and they only told us (laughs) that they were in four things or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was several of us, you know, I was Mm -hmm. always, I was always like the eighth person on the list for things I was directing because I wasn't allowed to direct more than one thing or whatever. And so there, there are those people and great when we can make at the pace we want to make at and work with other people who have that same momentum and drive. But there's also a lot of people we went to school with who are very talented, mm-hmm. who do not want to create at that volume and they don't okay. want to host yeah. their own project. They don't even really want to be in any, they, they're like intensive arts. I'll be in one thing. <laughs> And then yeah. I'll chill out. And I think that continues after graduation because I know there are people who there are people who have told me, like, you know, it feels weird to come on at the elephants or to do your podcast because I feel like I'm not doing anything. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Well, you're, you're not here to read me your resume. Like, I don't give a <laughs> shit what you may like, that's cool. Like yeah. I, I'm my brain's not there. I want to make shit yeah. all the time, but that doesn't mean I'm like, so what's your, I get, here's my thing. What's your thing? Like, I, I don't care. I just want to know what everybody's up to. I like talking to people. Um, yeah. and I feel like that pressure is there though, because it's still like, we all still kind of, there's a lot of connections post-grad where we all mm-hmm. still talk to each other and you meet up and there's that pressure on a lot of people who I wish would just let it go of like, Oh, I haven't, I don't have anything to talk about. 
I mean, I, again, it's something I think will happen in, in their own time and, right. and in their own way. And, and you're such um, a therapist. Yeah. I've, oh my God. No, the compliment. um, I, I have to like work on like turning it off sometimes, which I guess um, I'm, I mean it in a yeah. positive way. I just know. Oh, thank you. No, I but do I, because I, you're saying yeah. like you, you have tremendous patience for people's individuality. I, I don't have that shit. It's hard yeah, for me. Well, I'm like, I, come I on, catch like, up motherfuckers. <laughs> well, it's like, you know, who am I to, you know, if someone, if someone is like living their lives according to what people from UNCSA think that they should be doing or should not be doing, then they're not living like their authenticity, you know? True shit. And, um, yeah. And it can, it can be hard to like really understand that and then adjust and, um, we're, we're a small, but like mighty little bubble of people. And True. I, and I think everyone truly comes from like a good place of like, just wanting to support and see each other succeed. I mean, I, yes. I, I doubt it comes from a place of like, I don't know, like competitiveness or, or no, um, I think it's the opposite. Like, yeah. I don't even think that's the factor. I don't think that that's people being like, well, I'm doing it. There's a little bit of that. Very rarely. Yeah. It's what I'm talking about. And this is, again, it's not even a judgment thing. I wish I could just like give these people my little vial and be like, take this and tomorrow you won't give a shit what everybody thinks. Right. It's the people who go to the party who barely talk yeah. when everybody meets up and you find out when you finally talk to them, they're not talking because they haven't really been doing anything that they feel like they want to talk about. But if you really then spend some more time with them, you find out they got into gardening or something, or like they got into doing something, you know, and you're like, it's okay to talk about this. And honestly, I, I, if let's say that were true and somebody were like, "I'm, I'm doing gardening, I would be jealous of them because I applied to my neighborhood garden club and they didn't accept me, but it's fine. I'm clearly over it. I That's love a different trauma, Rob. Well, we don't I, have to get into it. <laughs> I love that you got into NYU, but you couldn't get into the fucking gardening club. Yeah. Well, I just put them on blast on this podcast. So yeah. Watch out. Hey, all fucking 70 club. people who are going to listen to this. I hope you're in the gardening club and I hope you <laughs> reap what you sow. Yeah. How about that gardening pun? Yeah. <sighs> I, I hope all your tomatoes and peppers dry up in the winter. Oh, 100%. A plague of locusts plague. on your whole garden. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's true. Like, yeah. I mean, I I just am so proud of everyone from our school. If they're doing whatever it is they're doing, even if they're not doing anything, it's yeah. it's hard to be a human being in this world that we live in. Um, and I just commend everyone for, like, waking up and getting out of bed and, like, leaving their apartment. Going to that school is like being launched out of a cannon. Yeah. And no matter where you land or how far you go, or if you fall right out in front of it. And I'm not saying that like booking stuff as a performer is that judgment. I just mean, no matter where it sprays you out into the world, Mm -hmm. it's a unique experience to be launched out of a cannon when you're 22 years old. And so many other people just kind of fall out of wherever, you know, they're from mm-hmm. that neglected their value or interest. And they're just like, I don't know what the fuck that wasn't our experience, right? We got mm-hmm. shot out of a fucking cannon with all this expectation and all this skills and all this talking for four years about what's going to happen when we get to the thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, 
all that mm-hmm. gives you a very specific experience of the world. And I'm with you. I give it mm-hmm. up to anybody who experiences that and doesn't let it really fuck them up or lets mm-hmm. it fuck them up and then gets help. Right. Both are good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. And thank you for giving them that help. Some of them. Yeah. Well, I I would say that you're doing the same with this, you know? Thank you. Yeah. So thank you. Oh, I always (laughs) like it when it ends with a compliment about me. That's my favorite. Yeah. I mean, I just am reflecting it back to you. I appreciate that. As a a therapist and as a person. Right. Well, how does it make me feel is the question. (laughs) Yeah. How do you feel, Um, Rob? I feel great, you know? Uh, Hold on, let me lean back. I feel great. And, uh, (laughs) You know, oh, and that's our time. Oh, this was great. Right at 50 minutes. Right at 50 minutes. Um, No, we, we, thank you for letting me go past my hour, by the way. Oh, no, this is great. Not charging me extra. Yeah, I mean, next time. Right. I'll let this one I'll keep it shorter. I'll keep it short. I talked too much about me. Um, Thank you so much for doing the show. This was super fun. I really, really like talking to you. You too, Rob. Thank you so much. 